Good evening. My, my phone didn't want to wake up so I can start recording, but it's it's good to have each and every one out with us for our second half of our worship service. And I was I was torn about this evening's uh, lesson. It's uh it's it's stirred on by some events that's that's happened. Actually, comes at a request. It was when I first heard this request. It was kind of an odd request, but I agree. I agree to the request that certain things have happened to the best of our knowledge. We can be hopeful in the knowledge, so we can hopeful in our guessing. I, I would say is incorrect, and the things that were that that has happened, and the things that is that you might be on your mind. And I know this thing has happened in all of our lives, and I can relate to the the, the message tonight. If I was to put a title to this, uh, I would say a life worth living. Whenever, as a child of God, and the, the things that we're supposed to do in our everyday walks of life to focus on God. So if I was to start this message off with a, a passage of Scripture, if you will, turn with me to Psalm, uh, the 50th Psalm and verse 15. Know this, that God can be a refuge if you allow Him. And if, 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 if we just turn to Him, if we put our focus on Him, the, the, the distress and the, the worries and the cares of the world tends to kind of melt away. And I'm not saying they're all gone altogether. We still have hardships. We're going to still have sufferings. We're going to have to endure certain things while we're here upon this earth. But know as if we overcome, like we spoke of this morning, that we can, when we overcome, we shall be blessed. When Christ makes mention of this in Revelation to all of the seven churches that he writes to, and especially those he has issues with, he tells them, if you overcome, if you repent and turn away, the heaven waits for you. You just have to stop doing this particular thing. But whenever we find that God can be our refuge, if we just turn to him. But now he also tells us something else in Psalm chapter 50 and verse 15. Call upon me in the day of trouble. Let me ask you a question. How many of us ever been in trouble and, or had troubles or dealing with troubles in our everyday walk of life? It happens to me. It happens to you. It happens to all of us. Troubles come. We have been promised that troubles are going to come. We've not been promised an easy life as a child of God. Now Satan, he'll promise you an easy life hands down. He'll say, sure, come along. If you just do this, if you, if you just kind of sit by, you can have an easy life. God promised us as his children something else. So notice what this. Call upon me, that being God, in the day of trouble I will deliver you and you shall glorify me when we take our troubles and we give them to God and we push past the, the things that are going on in our life I'm, I'm not saying it's going to go away I promise you that it will not go away it will be there it will continuously be there case in point with what I can relate to something that's opposite of this of this message that, that I'm coming across the, something that kind of relates to it is alcoholism alcoholism is a is a self-destructive nature I've seen that firsthand it's one of the reasons why I don't partake in such things I've seen what comes of it it's destructive so therefore when we see this destructive pattern even in our own lives to be able to discern that What's happening in our lives? We may need a, 
an avenue of escape. We might, we might need to talk to somebody. We need, might need to converse or visit or so, or just have that conversation with somebody. The reason why I say that, something that, that has happened even here at Booth Chapel, it's kind of, it shocked us a little bit. We've had a brother, we assume he took his life. We, we assume that. We, that. We've been told that. We don't know the circumstances. My heart was broken when I was told this. I'm not going to give his name. Y'all know, know who I'm talking about. Listen to this message. You might not, but know this, that a brother has taken his life to the best of our knowledge. Troubles come, folks. Hardships are going to be there. But no, we can give our difficulties, we can give our troubles sometimes to God. In doing so, he will relieve us with the knowledge that something better exists. My mind goes to Judas. Remember Judas? What did Judas do? We all cast stones at Judas, do we not? We cast stones at Judas whenever he betrayed the Son of God. When he betrayed his Savior. By the price of a slave. We cast stones at him, do we not? He says, why would he do such thing? You know, whenever Jesus chose him as an apostle, he knew exactly what he was going to do. He knew exactly the steps that was going to lead him to the cross. He knew that. But Judas had a choice after that. So as we've learned there that our troubles we can give to God and he will deliver us from those troubles and we shall glorify God or be thankful to God that he has done this relieving effort, if you will. So, so as we've read that verse, I want us to turn over to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. This is... After Christ has been arrested, after at the Last Supper, whenever Jesus tells Judas, whatever you do, do it quickly, Judas departs, he receives that price, betrays the Son of the Son of the Son of God. He realizes what he has done here. He becomes sad in his heart. Matthew chapter 27 and verse 3. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, that being Christ, was remorseful and brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders. So we see Judas being remorseful. He was sorrowful. He was wishing that he could take that back. You ever been there before? You ever, you ever done something wishing that you, oh, I wish I could go back and just take that away and stop and not do that? I've, I've had those instances before. We can't, can we? We make those choices. You ever heard that term? You make your bed and you lie in it. Now, I've, I've said that many times. So here we see Judas. He's made his bed, right? He's, he's, he's betrayed the Son of God. 30 pieces of silver. The price of a slave, by the way. So we see Judas wanting to give that back. He says, no. I, I'm, I can't take this. I've, I've, I'm wrong. Here, hold this. Take it away from me. But the chief priests and elders saying, nope. Verse 4 saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And that's, that's important to know that what Judas had done, keeping in mind that Judas was a, a thief. He, he had that mentality. And he didn't put the uh, 
the innocence of Christ before that act of betraying him. He just seen those 30 pieces of silver. I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And the chief priests say this. What is that to us? See to it. In other words, we don't want it back. A little bit later in, the next, in our readings, we don't want that back. So Judas was remorseful. He said, I have, I have this terrible sin that I've done with. If he'd have done something different. Now keep in mind, in uh, Acts chapter 2, when Peter gives that gospel sermon, many Jews realized what they had done was wrong. In the similar abode of Judas, right? They, in, in the process of Judas condemning Christ with his betrayal, he allowed the access or the avenue for Christ being on the cross. Some of those Jews chanting in that courtyard, crucify him, crucify him, come re become remorseful in Peter's sermon. So we see Judas here wanting to uh, get forgiveness, if you will, or, or saying, I can't take this. I, don't, I, can't, I can't deal with this anymore, so take it away. He threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed. And you notice what Judas did. He went out. And hanged himself. How sorrowful was Judas? He was very sorrowful. It was eaten at him. From the things that Christ was teaching him about everlasting life and the kingdom of God and, and, and worshiping and being able to have life and, and just worshiping following Christ, all these things that Judas was hearing Christ teaching, it never reached his heart. So he went out and took his own life. If he'd have done something different. If he'd have done something that the Jews on the day of Pentecost done by repenting. Confessing that sin. He could have been forgiven. We realize that, right? We just read. If with our troublesome times and in our difficulties, if we give them to God, what will he do? He will deliver us. And we will glorify God. If he'd have done that act instead of ending his life. Because guess what? Is murder a sin? We made mention of that this morning. About thou shalt not kill. That's, that's a misinterpretation of that verse. Or a misinter misinterpretation of that command. That command is to thou shalt not murder. That is to purposely take a life. What did Judas do? murdered himself he ended his life and that is a sin that's unrepentable unrepentable of because death the doorway had been crossed that that doorway that leads into the everlasting where repentance isn't available or forgiveness is not available and my heart breaks and my heart breaks I said I could relate, right? I'm not going to share that part of the story, but I can relate. So we think about an unforgivable sin. That's one of them. Because you can't get forgiveness of it. Was Judas remorseful? Yes, he was. If he'd have just given his sorrow, if he'd have just given his his doubt, if he'd given his uncertainty, if he'd given up his 
act or that motivation to go out and hang himself or end his life, and he just gave that energy to God and focused it toward God, he could have been forgiven. But now we see the example of taking one's life, an unforgivable sin. It must be said, because several things have happened that relates very directly to this church, to this congregation, unfortunately. But you notice what happens after this. In, in the Jewish world, under the Mosaic Law, right, someone who was not a Jew would be considered unclean, right? They would have been beneath the Jews, in a matter of speaking. They would have been beneath them. They weren't upper echelon. They weren't uh, uh, God's chosen people. They were lower class. They were was beneath them, right? So we see what the chief priests, elders do with that silver that hits the ground when Judas throwed it down. Because he throwed the silver down. 30 pieces, that's, I don't want it. And he goes out and ends his life. So what do they do next? But the chief priest took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. In other words, well, that's blood money. Yeah, y'all paid it to have Christ hung on the cross, but y'all don't accept that, that uh, responsibility. You laid it all on Judas. You paid him to do it, and he done it. He wished he hadn't. He says, take it back. He says, we can't take that. But you gave it to him. So we can't take it back. We can't put it back in the treasury because that's the price of blood. Well, that's blood money. And they consulted together, that being the chief priests, and bought with them the potter's field to bury, you notice that, strangers. So they take this 30 pieces of silver and they use it to buy a piece of land, the potter's field. What was the purpose of that potter's field after they had after they had possessed it to bury unclean folks in, and that says a lot. It's called the field of blood unto this day, by the way. In verse eight, therefore that field has been called the field of blood to this day. And in verse nine, then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet saying and they took the 30 pieces of silver the value of him who was priced whom the children of Israel priced and gave them for the potter's field as the Lord directed me so how remorseful was a person to go out and do this act he was sad we remember Peter whenever he denied Christ those three times. Did he not? Remember the three times that, he, that, that Peter denied Christ as he's being arrested? Was he not remorseful? Was he not saddened at that third instance? Oh, whenever we see Peter denying for the third time and that rooster crows. He looks at Christ and Christ looks at him. You remember that? And what happens? He went out and wept bitterly. 
he was saddened at what just happened. Previous to this, this is Peter, right? Previous to this, he said, I would die for you. That says a lot. But then Christ already knew. He already knew what was going to happen. He already knew what Peter was going to do. He knew what Judas was going to do. He was, we, we can only hope that, you know, the, the, the teachings would have just sunk deep into Judas's mind saying, you know, if, if, if I repent, because Jesus talked about repentance and he, and he, and he taught about it, says, if he'd have just done that. Because those, at least 3,000, those 3,000 Jews on the day of Pentecost heard that message and realized what they had done was very equal to what Judas had done. By the acts and steps and accountability, all those involved were guilty. But they repented. They turned away from it. In the act of taking one's life, just like Judas did, it's unforgivable. Unforgivable. We think about standing before our Lord in judgment, making the decision that Judas made. How are you going to justify that? When knowing very well our Lord and Savior lived the life that we live, beaten to the point of almost death, and then crucified after that, pain and suffering ensued, was he not faithful to his Father until the end? He was. Why can't we? As people. Because guess who's prying at us? Satan. He's prying at us. He's putting those thoughts and intents in our heart. If we just adhere to... Let me get my, let me get my pages working right here. James. Chapter 5. Excuse me, chapter 4. Five too many. <clears throat> James, chapter 4. 7 through 10. Yes, whenever we have hardships, when we have difficulties that's going on in our lives, we can give them to God. We have the opportunity. We also have an opportunity to give them to Satan. And he's going to use them to twist us and confuse us and lead us down a pathway that we don't need to go Here's the pathway that we need to go. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That being Satan. Satan will flee from you. How many of us want Satan to flee from us? How would it not be awesome or wonderful if we no longer had a tempter after us? Wouldn't that be nice? That's a sneak peek of heaven, folks, where Satan ain't going to exist. Death, destruction, sin, none of that's going to exist because the tempter won't be there. Submit to God. Well, first off, do we know how to submit to God? That's important. The scriptures tell us we need to find out what's acceptable to God. First off, murder is not acceptable to God, now is it? It's not. Taking one's life, not accidentally, but on the purposely of taking one's life, is not pleasing to God. 
Then when it's someone else's life, you can get forgiveness of that. But folks, when it's your own, you can't get forgiveness of that. I know there's some folks out there who say, "Well, yeah, I can, I can, I can pray for your forgiveness." Why, as you're in the grave? What? My mind was floored at this. There are some teachings out there, not from God's Word, but there are some teachings out there that says, I can pray for lost souls and they can enter into heaven. How odd is that? I see some puzzled look. Exactly. That's kind of the way I felt. What? Yes. They believe that they can pray you into heaven as you're dead in the grave and lost in the grave. No, that's not what God teaches. That's not what Christ teaches. Who's held accountable for our sins? We are. You're accountable for yours just as much as I'm accountable for mine. Therefore, when we stand in judgment, I'm going to be standing there alone with my life. Giving account of things, whether good or bad. That conversation that I'm going to have with my father. What type of conversation are you going to have with your father? That's a wonderful question. It's not a loaded question. That's a wonderful question. He's going to ask you, did you flee from the devil? Did you draw near to me? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. How many of us are thankful that we have God as our ally? He's standing in our corner. He's with us unless we sin. A sin that's been unrepented of. And that sin will condemn you if, if, if said being something. All right? So we didn't get to read this this morning. So turn back over with me to Revelation. You notice no S. <laughs> Revelation. And I move my bookmark. I shouldn't have moved my bookmark. Hold on a second. Let me get there. Too far. There we go. All right. Uh, in one case in point, Revelation chapter 2, uh, actually 18 through 29, uh, time constraining, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but this is the, the, the church in Thyatira. It says, I know your works in verse 19, love, service, faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. And in verse 20, nevertheless, all these things you have done, wonderful, well done. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed and they... And those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds. And of course, it follows on. But notice what happens there. Christ says to John, as he reveals it to us through his pen, he says, 
these things you have done, well done. But there's a few things I've got against you. The adultery, the, the, the sexual immorality that's happening, those can't exist in the church. As we learn in uh, Corinthians, the first writings to the church in Corinthians, second, well, they, they was doing better. But the first one, they were not. They was all over the map. You notice what it said. Unless they repent of their deeds, I will cast them into a great tribulation. So how important is repentance? Important, exceedingly important, the idea of repentance. Even if you have one thing over you, notice what he said. These things you've done well, that's good. These things you're supposed to be doing, but these few things I've got against you. And those things that are against you will cast you out. Just like the, uh, the lukewarm church this morning as we ended in our reading. Uh, let's see. We see the church in Ephesus. We read that this morning. And the next one I'm going to read is uh, Revelation 2. There it was. Did you hear it? That S just sneaks right in there, y'all. I, I, that's, that's one of those habits, right? Revelation chapter 2 and verse 12. And to the angel of the church in Pergamos, write these things, he said, who has the, who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even the days in which Antipas was my faithful martyr who was killed among you where Satan dwells. But I have a few things against you. Here he goes again. Because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus you also have had those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate, repent, or else I will come to you quickly, and I will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone and on the stone a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it the term overcomes we're going to have hardships we're going to have difficulties we're going to have tough times it's not worth losing your soul. It's not having. It's not worth having one iota, one very small instance of something that Christ has against you. Now, is it? It's not. It's not. It's like I said at the beginning of this lesson that the things that have happened, we can only we can we can only speculate. But this happens. It, it, this this act of an unforgivable sin happens. When one takes one's life, takes oneself life, and ceases to exist here upon this earth anymore, it's self-murder. And we can't get forgiveness of it. So I want to plant this into your mind. The things that are happening into our lives, the, the things that are going on, it's not worth losing your soul. Not. 
Revelation 2.10 speaks of a very lovely promise. Be ye faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Now that life don't compare to this life that Christ promises. Or the everlasting life that the straight and narrow gate leads to does not compare one iota this life to that. Because that next life, that everlasting life, is full of bliss, full of love, full of the presence of our Father. Let that soak in. The presence of our Father. Remember when Moses went up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments? Just being the presence of God, right? What did he look like when he come down? Was he sad? He was kind of aggravated when he got down, but what, what, did his, what did his countenance look like? What did he... was? His face was shining so bright. Just being in the presence, not in the dwelling place of God, just being in the presence of God. His face was shining so bright that the Israelites couldn't even look at him. You ever, you ever uh, driving in the morning time, which is which I, I drive to work in the morning time, and the sun just right in the face, right? And I have to put my hand or the visor. Sometimes it's just right there in a place where the visor won't reach. It's a little rather aggravating, right? That that bright ball of light, and looking around, now you see spots all over the place. You see them at nighttime when you meet a car with really bright headlights to see those spots all over the place. That don't even compare. This light God has created. Right? Did he not create the sun? Did he not... In a matter of speaking, create the headlights. He gave you electricity. He gave you the, the opportunity to have that light where we can drive at nighttime. But he created the sun. No hands down, right? He's who done he done that. He gave us that. And that's bright to look at. It's you don't want to look straight at it without any blinders or sunglasses or any type of filter on. It's blinding. But being in the presence of God. To feel his presence. Don't that feel wonderful? Enough to cast all of our fears, the things that are going on in this life, and put them behind us and give them to God. So he can lift us up, so we can glorify God with him giving us some help. Many times, even as children of God, we, we have downtimes, we have difficulties, we have strugglings, we have certain things that are going on in our lives that even question our faith. Turn to God's Word. Please turn to God's Word. Open it up and just start reading from it. You can be lifted up. You will be lifted up if you just open it up and immerse yourself in it. And the cares of this world, they tend to just melt away. You ever notice that? Not like turning to alcoholism, which makes things worse, by the way. Because when you sober up, that stuff's still there, is it not? So my, my, my concerns is for the church. Just as, as just as Paul was, his concern for the church was that we remain faithful. That we put our best foot forward in the service of God. That we continually connect ourselves with Him. That is through His Son. But unfortunately our sins and our, our iniquities, they overtake us. As we have had a message from the word to, to know that there is an unforgivable sin. To know that we can turn away from any sin right now. 
and we can repent of it. We can get forgiveness of it right now. Do you find yourself being guilty of sin? Do you find yourself being struggling with anything? We are here to encourage you as a church. Because we we got to have one another. We're not going to get there by ourselves. So my encouragement, if you have something going on in your life, share it. Either with myself or someone. To help you through this difficult time. Don't do that unforgivable sin that has happened very recently here at Booth Chapel. To know that there is always an escape. God allows it. You may be looking at yourself right now and say, I'm guilty of a sin. I need repentance of it. Please, as we're about to stand and sing the song of invitation, do so. Come before and get forgiveness of that sin. Don't die in your sins. Just as Christ told those Jews, he knew what they were going to do. He knew. So you are going to die in your sins unless you repent. He already knew that they were going to, some were going to die in their sins. Don't die in your sins. Be forgiven as we come forward, as we stand, as we sing the song of invitation.